Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield news, sports, and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Superintendent of Schools responds to mass shooting in Uvalde. Library expansion closes the facility for the summer. Newest school board members sworn in. In sports, Lake Ridge softball team headed to state tournament. Coming up in the features section. I'm science reporter Dennis Webb and I will explain why NASA invites independent reviews after its spacecraft disasters later in the science segment. Things you can do to keep heat illness at bay. I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield News to Know, coming up later in the episode. There's a mighty wind blowing across this land again, and it's leaving little bits of stuff in our yards. I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll deal with that in the Ask Terry segment. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that reminds me of many summer-filled days of my youth. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve talks with grief counselor Holly Patterson. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. Hey, this is Jeff Kish with Barla Tree Experts, and I'm here to talk a little about pest and disease control for your trees and shrubs. I'm sure you've noticed all the beautiful green, lush trees and shrubs in the area and seen them covered full of leaves. What you probably don't see is that they could be crawling with bugs. Many pests which go dormant over winter are now emerging, burrowing through tree bark, sucking essential sap, and munching on the leaves. Tree diseases are also present, weakening plants and leaving them susceptible to tiny pest invaders. Don't let these unwanted guests plague your property. Call the professionals. Bartlett Tree Experts will inspect your trees and shrubs and prescribe ongoing care to keep them looking their best all summer long. Give us a call today at 1-877-BARTLETT. We are your neighbors and are completely knowledgeable about plants, soils, and pests. Don't underestimate these little bugs. They may be small, but their damage can be enormous. Call Bartlett Tree Experts today and let us take care of you. The number again is 1-877-BARTLETT or visit us online at bartlett.com. That's bartlett.com. I'm Dr. Joseph Adams with Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health. And if you or your loved one is suffering with headaches and or migraines, we invite you to come sit down with our team and see if we can find a solution. What we know about migraines is that they're a complex neurological disorder and there are many different triggers and appropriate treatment requires a team that can address all those factors. So if you or somebody you know is suffering from migraines, we invite you to come into the office and sit down and have a conversation with us and see if we can help you. Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health, 408 South Main Street in downtown Mansfield. 
I'm Mansfield Police Chief Tracy Aaron, and you are listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Within hours of the Robb Elementary School shooting last week, Mansfield ISD Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Kimberly Cantu, emailed a letter to the community expressing her condolences to Uvalde and reassuring local parents that Mansfield ISD will continue enforcing its comprehensive security measures through the final days of the school year and throughout the graduation ceremonies. All six graduations have come and gone without incident, as some 2,900 students donned a cap and gown over a four-day period last weekend. Cantu continued her email by stating that the MISD Police Department and Department of Safety, Security, and Threat Management will continue working together to safeguard buildings and keep facilities as safe as possible, and concluded with, quote, Safety and security is also a community effort, so please remember that if you see any suspicious activity or want to report someone who may be in danger of harming others or themselves, you can report it anonymously using the appropriate reporting buttons on our This Is Our House webpage. End quote. To access the This Is Our House webpage, visit our website, aboutmansfield.com, and click on the Links tab. The Mansfield Public Library is in the process of getting a 4,000-square-foot, $3.2 million facelift, and the next step of the project has resulted in closing their doors throughout the summer. The library temporarily closed on Tuesday, some two months ahead of schedule, forcing staff to pivot with both customers and programs. To help ease the pain, the library will offer curbside checkout, a service that they implemented during the height of COVID, and offer book lockers for 24-hour pickup. Many of the library's summer programs will be moved to other city-run facilities, such as the Farbest Theater or the Manhouse Museum. There is no word on when the expansion construction is expected to take to complete. Three Mansfield ISD trustees were sworn into their positions after they won the seats in the May 7th election. Incumbent Kezia Valdez Farrar maintains her seat at place four, while place five is now occupied by Bianca Benavides Anderson, and Courtney Lackey Wilson now sits again in the place seven seat. Each new member was sworn in at the regular school board meeting on Tuesday, May 24th. Before the meeting, a farewell reception was held for the outgoing board members who did not run for re-election, Randall Kennedy, Karen Marcucci, and Daryl Sneed. One more seat on the MISD school board is up for election. There will be a runoff election for place three between Dr. Benita C. Reed and Craig Tipping on Saturday, June 18th. In sports, although students are out of school for summer break, the Lake Ridge High School softball team is still working hard preparing for something no other softball team in Mansfield ISD has ever done. The team clinched a spot in the UIL Softball State Tournament. The Eagles became region champions after defeating the Woodlands High School in the regional finals. They will play in the semifinals on Friday, June 3rd, 7 p.m. against last year's state champions, Deer Park. If the girls win that round... They will play at the state champion game on Saturday, June 4th. The state games will be played at McCombs Field at UT Austin. Game schedules and ticket information can be found on the UIL website. We have a link to it. Just go to our website, aboutmansfield.com, and click on the links tab. Just a quick reminder that if you know of any news that's happening here in Mansfield, shoot us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news at aboutmansfield.com. Please include your name and phone number in the event we need more information. 
Foundation. This Sunday is World Environment Day, a day that is set aside to encourage awareness and action to protect the natural environment. It draws attention to environmental issues such as marine pollution, air pollution, deforestation, and wildlife crime such as poaching. Each year, World Environment Day has a new theme that major corporations, communities, governments, and celebrities adopt to advocate environmental causes. One of the activities of the day in some countries is to sing the Earth Anthem written by poet Abbe K to celebrate the day. Let's take a listen to it. Our cosmic oasis, cosmic Let's see what's in store for our flora and fauna for the next week as we head on over to the weather desk. Colleen? Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. A cold front is projected to come through Wednesday night into Thursday morning, bringing us some thunderstorms and cooler temperatures. We're going to be looking at a high Wednesday of 93 degrees ahead of the front. Thursday's high will be 82 degrees. Friday, 84 degrees. Saturday, 91 degrees. Sunday, 97 degrees, and Monday and Tuesday will be back up to 99 degrees. The Tarrant Regional Water District reports that Mansfield sprinklers can stay off this week. Lawns received over an inch of rain recently, and there is plenty of moisture in the ground. Run a two-minute test of each sprinkler zone to make sure there is no water waste. For more watering tips, visit waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Today, we're talking science, health, home improvement, and rounding it out with the cocktail of the week. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows such as Ask Philip, Daughter of the Other Woman, Stir the Pot, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, and We Are TPM, just to name a few, and also handles post-production duties for remote clients such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio out of Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and record your first episode at no 
no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Roger of the Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight. The real estate market is far more dynamic today than it has ever been, with values changing quickly. Now is the time to get an update on your real estate portfolio. We're offering a no-cost, no-obligation real estate portfolio review to all About Mansfield podcast listeners. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more and to stay on top of what's happening in your neighborhood. Thank you for allowing us to serve you as your go-to Mansfield area real estate resource. Again, that's homesinmansfield.com. At Methodist Health System, every person we treat Good morning, class. is a vital part of the communities we call home table for two. That's why we're dedicated to exceptional, innovative care. From robotic surgery and advanced oncology to helping you find a healthier path. And hold that pose. Three, two, one. Being there when and where our neighbors need us. The doctor will be right in. That's community and why so many people trust Methodist. Hi, I'm Paula Giamma Morales, Tarrant County Jury Bailiff, And you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb explains why independent reviews are necessary. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. If you're like me, you watched a terrible story about the shooting in Uvalde. I have nothing useful to add here, but one part of it got me to thinking. Over the weekend, the mayor of the small town of Uvalde formally requested the U.S. Department of Justice conduct a critical incident review of the event, and the department agreed. It seems odd to me that an official in a rural Texas area would invite the feds to come poke around in his town's business. I think I know why he did this, from my experiences with independent reviews in my years at NASA. When something really big and bad happens at NASA, like the in-flight losses of the Challenger and Columbia spaceships and their crews, an independent investigation is chartered. In each case, NASA's shuttle program organization might have preferred to conduct the investigation internally, but recognized the most important outcome was national recognition that the problems had been found and corrected and we could return to flying the spaceships in space. If the shuttle program had investigated itself, found and fixed the problem, and said it was safe to fly again, there would be reasonable national doubt, as these are the same people who decided it was safe to launch on days when this was not the case. The only way they would ever be allowed to fly the shuttle again was for the analysis and recommendations to be from an unimpeachable independent source. In the case of the Challenger explosion in 1986, NASA was given no choice in the matter as President Ronald Reagan chartered a presidential commission to lead the investigation. NASA put its intellectual muscle and knowledge at the service of the commission led by William Rogers, who was formerly Richard Nixon's Secretary of State. Rogers was a veteran navigator of complex crises in government and staffed the commission with a knowledgeable team, including retired moonwalker astronaut Neil Armstrong. Several Air Force generals and scientists, aerospace executives, legendary test pilot Chuck Yeager, young astronaut Sally Ride, Nobel Prize-winning physicist Richard Feynman, and others. This was as blue-ribbon as it gets. In the end, the technical-caused management issues were found and made public, a variety of other technical issues identified, process and system changes identified, and a path to returning to flight was ratified. A few management heads rolled, a few whistleblowers had difficult years, 
Parts of the program were reorganized, and shuttles flew again after a couple years after the Congress, the White House, and the American people had a general consensus that it was safe. All of these investigations rely on the methods developed to investigate aircraft crashes, and the team usually includes individuals with that experience. One of the methods is called root cause analysis. This is similar to an annoying five-year-old asking why every time you answer a question. Why did the shuttle explode? Well, a solid rocket booster came apart. Why did the solid rocket booster come apart? The motor leaked at a seam. Why did the seam leak? And so forth, but a lot more detailed and going all the way back to the initial design. Another approach is to look for error chains, where a sequence of wrong judgments or quality escapes led to the bad outcome. In some cases, if any of these mistakes had been prevented, the bad outcome might not have happened at all. These things are heartbreaking to read, as you root for everybody to do better, but they don't in this grim, accurate narrative. One other outcome of the Rogers Commission was a recognition that for some future horrible incidents, it may make more sense for NASA to lead the investigation, as was done after the Apollo 1 fire. NASA investigated itself because there was an urgency needed to land people on the moon by the end of 1969, and a more leisurely review probably would have killed that deadline. The review board had to be staffed mostly from and led by external experts and experienced executives in the industry. And this is what was happened when Shuttle Columbia came apart over Texas in 2003. That investigation board was chartered within two hours of the tragedy. It was led by retired Navy Admiral Harold Gaiman. While the accident scene was very different, in this case spread across hundreds of miles of Texas, the effort still got to a return to flight. But this time there was an additional instruction. Only fly enough to finish the International Space Station and then shut down the shuttle program. It was a big deal. This has not really been a science report, but it does talk about one piece of governance in large national engineering and scientific undertakings that happen on the public stage. It only works when there's wide confidence that the investigation is complete and unbiased. Like the Evaldi shooting, these other tragedies were caused by people and only through the actions of people can we ever hope to get back to normal. Trust and truth are essential. So I urge you to put yourself at the mayor of Uvalde's desk and think about how he got to this decision to invite the feds to investigate this horrible incident in his town. The root causes and error chains will be very painful and likely no easier to fix than these NASA examples. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Getting too much sunshine can lead to some serious health issues. Angel Biasati concludes her two-part series on heat illness in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Things you can do to keep heat illness at bay. Dr. Keaton Trivetti, emergency physician on staff at Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, recommends simple ways for people to stay ahead of heat and illness and proactively keep yourself cool this summer. Drink a few glasses of water a couple of hours ahead of being outside in the heat, especially if you're going to do physical activities such as jogging or yard work. While active, increase your water intake to two to four eight-ounce glasses an hour. In addition to water, add sports drinks with carbohydrates and electrolytes to avoid losing too much sodium, which affects the kidney, can cause fatigue and weakness. Wear lightweight and light-colored clothing. If you're wearing constricting uniform, take it off as soon as you start to feel overheated. 
ice packs and ice towels are also helpful. When you place them around the back of the neck, in the underarms, or near the groin for the fastest, easiest way to cool off. Spraying a mist of cool water can also help. Most important, just be aware. Keep hydration in mind. Don't try to power through the dizziness. Help those around you if they show symptoms of heat exhaustion. Heat illness is easily preventable, so stay cool. If you suspect heat stroke, call 911 or head to the nearest emergency room. With Methodist Mansfield News to Know, I'm Angel Biasati for the About Mansfield podcast. In a world where people have thousands of questions about improving and repairing their homes, one man has the answers. It's time right now for the Ask Terry segment. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist, and he talks about the place that you call home. Dave sends us a question today, and he writes, We've had a windy couple of months in April and May, and I've noticed some pieces of roof shingle in my yard. My wife wants me to call the insurance company and see if they'll pay for a new roof. What do you think, and what kind of roof do you recommend to replace with? Well, Dave, this is one of those issues that has a lot of moving pieces as usual. Most insurance policies have separate repair and replacement coverages written into them, and you've got to look at your policy to see what the parameters are. If your roof is of fairly recent vintage and you've only lost a few shingle tabs here and there, the insurance company may only agree to repair the missing pieces and call it a day. To get an entire roof replaced, however, most insurance companies want to see at least 70 to 80% of the roof damaged before they'll pay for replacement. Barring a major hailstorm or extraordinarily strong straight-line winds or a tornado, which we really haven't had here in Mansfield this spring, you're probably not going to get the insurance company to pay for a new roof. And if that roof is more than 15 or so years old, it's also unlikely that insurance will cover a replacement since the shingles are well on their way to the end of their useful life. Texas summer heat really beats an asphalt shingle roof hard, and unfortunately composite shingle roofs don't last as long here as they do in other cooler regions of the country, despite the ice and snow loads they often deal with. In short, Dave, you'll probably be out of luck if you call your insurance company. And being that a roof is a pretty large investment given the size of the homes in our area, it's going to be a big expense should you decide to pay for it yourself. You may want to fix the missing tabs for now and wait for a good hailstorm to hit. Now on to the second part of your question. An asphalt composite shingle is still the most economical way to roof a house. They offer a good range of colors, and manufacturers have developed some pretty cool styles over the years that mimic wood shingle or slate tile roofs without the fire danger of wood or the expense of slate. The good old-fashioned three-tab asphalt shingle that was the standard for many, many years in our country has been superseded by what we call an architectural, dimensional, or laminated shingle. As the name implies, they're composed of several layers of matting with ceramic granules on top, and that alone makes them more durable than the three-tab shingle that only has one layer. The lamination gives them more of a three-dimensional look from the street, hence the word dimensional, and a lot of them are frankly pretty attractive depending on the look you're going for. There's also an upgrade on most architectural shingles to what we call a Class 4 impact-resistant shingle. 
The class four refers to the scale used to measure the shingles against impact, and class four is the highest rating. Many insurance companies are now either requiring class four shingles to be used in hail-prone areas like ours, or even offering a lower premium rate when those shingles are used. They're a little bit pricier than standard architectural shingles, but a lot of times the difference in cost can be offset by the premium discount. If it were my roof and I'd settle on re-roofing with asphalt composite shingles to save money, I'd definitely go with the architectural shingle over the traditional three-tap. It does give a premium look and enhances curb appeal and offers up to a lifetime material warranty depending on the manufacturer's installation requirements. If you like the look of a wood shake or slate tile roof, there are now composite products available made out of metal or cement fiber material that will give you both resilience and appearance, but at a lower cost than the real deal. And for the most part, wood shingles are no longer code compliant in our area due to the risk of fire associated with them. I've watched a wood shingle roof go up, and it's amazing how fast fire spreads when it catches on those dry cedar shingles. With the number of fireplaces and outdoor fire pits in the Metroplex, it's better to be safe than sorry. All it takes is one hot ember to create a disaster. I love the look of a slate roof on a large traditional home, but real slate has some disadvantages, the most prominent being its tendency to delaminate and flake off over time and its lack of impact resistance. One big fallen tree branch or a good hailstorm can wreak havoc on a natural slate roof. The composite products are engineered to overcome the disadvantages and give you a similar look with a longer lifespan. All things being equal, and if I had my druthers, I'd do a metal roof. Again, there are options from the traditional corrugated steel to ribbed steel that you commonly see on pole barn type buildings to standing seam patterns that you see on commercial roofs to patterns that simulate shingles. Some manufacturers offer north of 25 colors to choose from, meaning that you can coordinate with your brick, siding, and trim colors to put together a striking look. Steel roofs are obviously more impact resistant than a soft asphalt shingle, and they have fewer places where water can seep through and cause damage to the structure of the home. With proper insulation behind the panels, they can also help reflect some of the summertime heat and sun and contribute to lower energy bills. The warranties on these products range from 25 to 50 years, depending on the manufacturer and the paint or powder-coated finish. And obviously, should you have a change of heart about the color, they can be painted to suit your whim as well. A few points of caution with any roof job. First and foremost, get several bids before you choose a contractor and check their rating with the Better Business Bureau. I also recommend sticking with local roofers. When big storms hit, we get bands of carpet-bagging roofers from all over the country knocking on doors and trying to get people to sign contracts quickly. As Texas doesn't require contractors to be licensed, you can't really be sure how qualified or experienced they are, or if they're even legitimate roofing companies. When you look into using well-established local roofers, you can generally find referrals and recommendations from friends and neighbors who've used them in the past and can help you tell the good guys from the bad guys. If you're thinking metal, make sure the roofer is experienced in working with it. Not all roofing companies are. Because you're working with a lot of specialized components that have to fit together correctly to avoid leakage, you want the right guys or gals doing the job for you. Next important point is, if you're part of a homeowners association, check with them to see what is allowed under the covenants of the HOA. HOAs have more power than cities do in a lot of cases, 
and most of them have very strict requirements for which colors, and in some cases, even which brands of shingles can be used. And if you're thinking about a metal roof, some HOAs won't allow them at all. It pays to check first rather than do the job and have the HOA take you to court and force you to tear off your new roof and redo it. Well, Dave, that's about it. Lots of food for thought, and if you've got any more questions, by all means, shoot me an email. And listeners, if you've got home improvement or repair questions or problems you'd like help with, email me as well at askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Keep the questions coming. There's no me without you. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm home improvement specialist, Terry Radswin. Shaken or stirred? Either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain is serving up another Cocktail of the Week. This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Honeysuckle Lemon Cocktail. I've been after a light summer sipper, and this southern cocktail recipe from our friends at Walden in Nashville, Tennessee, seemed like the perfect excuse to throw a party. Made with just four ingredients, one of them being honeysuckle vodka, a new favorite bar cart essential, this cocktail can be doubled or easily tripled to whip up drinks for a crowd. And with the tang of the fresh lemon juice, a little sweetness from the simple syrup, or perhaps the champagne syrup that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, and just the right amount of Southern from the honeysuckle, you'll want to bookmark this simple cocktail recipe for any and all summer weekends. But as always, don't worry about taking notes and getting the directions will always be posted on bourbongospel.com. Ingredients. You're going to need two ounces of honeysuckle vodka. Uh, The one I bought and enjoyed was made by Cathead. You're going to need a half ounce of simple syrup or that champagne syrup that we talked about and three-fourths of an ounce of lemon juice. You'll also need some soda water, a club soda to add to finish it off. To make the cocktail, couldn't be any simpler. Add the vodka, the simple syrup, the lemon juice in a shaker. Shake thoroughly for, that's right, 20 to 30 seconds. And then you're going to pour into a highball glass with fresh ice. Top with soda water, garnish with fresh citrus rounds, lime, lemon, whatever turns your boat on. And that way you can serve a fancy cocktail to your friends. But as always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. And you're still not. Congratulations to Macy Jordan, who is the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. How many schools are there within the MISD organization? According to the Mansfield ISD Facts and Figures webpage, there are 49 schools within the district. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or another kind of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find Joe on the internet at Joe Jenkins Insurance. 
Facebook.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, while traveling in the 800 block of Main Street, one's little eye might spy a monument in the shape of a headstone in the memory of Earl C. Driscoll, who lived from 1883 to 1912. Inscribed on the headstone, Driscoll's pioneering efforts, quote, made easy the way for Tarrant County's present highway system, end quote. But Driscoll was not a highwayman. This week's trivia question is, what did Earl C. Driscoll do for a living? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what did Earl C. Driscoll do for a living? Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, I felt that it was pretty pretty important, pretty timely, pretty topical to, uh, to uh, approach this topic uh, based on the incidents of Uvalde, Texas that took place last week. And uh, so in the studio today... Uh, her name is Holly Patterson. She lives here in Mansfield. I've known her uh, on on Facebook and socially for, uh, for probably past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, um, you gave me a box of CDs that I am grateful for. And, and uh, I did. Yes, uh, as a uh, so as a music lover, and uh, appreciate that. But uh, the topic today is not music, is not CDs. Uh, it's something a little more. Uh, something a little more serious, and we're yes. talking about the uh, the topic of of grieving. And um, you're a grief counselor. Yes. How long have you been a grief counselor? Um, since 2016, actually. Well, I take that back. It was more like 2018. 2018. Yes. And the reason you got into becoming a grief counselor? My husband died. Oh wow! So he died in 2014 of cancer. And as I was going through the process of grief myself, um, I soon realized the importance of sharing my story um, and not only it, it helping with me to mm. process my grief, sure. but helping other people. Um, I read a book by Sheryl Sandberg called Option B. I don't know if you remember Sheryl Sandberg's story. I don't. What, she, tell, tell the listeners. Yeah, she was a CFO or CEO of Facebook. And her and her husband went down to Mexico um, for their anniversary. And he ended up dying in Mexico. And that led her to write this book called Option B. Hmm. Um, and I read a passage in there that changed my life changed my trajectory in my career. Uh, And it was a story about a man who had lost his son. His son died. And in the process of him grieving his son, he um, felt the urge, the pull, the passion to help others through their grief. And I remember I saw that paragraph and I actually actually screenshotted it, took a a photo of it and sent it to my family and said, this is what I'm going to do. And that was probably in 2016. Let's start with the the basic, what is grieving? Grieving is processing the loss of something significant in your life. Doesn't have to be a person. It doesn't have to be a death. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be um, 
um, a person's death. It can be a divorce. Okay. One of the first things that I lost in my life that created um, a very um, significant grief was the my parents' divorce. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know that I was grieving it for about 10 years until I went to my first counseling and understood my anger um, and what that had been all about. At what age did your parents divorce? I was a senior in high school. Me too. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Were you like really mad that your parents chose your senior year of high school Uh, to divorce? You know what? I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And you know what? I I bet counseling probably could have helped. Yeah. Hey, since you're here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Shall we let's, talk? <laughs> let's not go there. All right. So uh, it started when your parents divorced, yeah. it, but it, which was your, your first experience with grief. It was. Yeah. And then the next year, my best girlfriend died in a car wreck. So I have been prepared for grief um, in, in many times in my life. They say that there are several stages of mm-hmm. grief. I can't recite them because I'm not in the business, but uh, there, are, uh, there are several cycles that one goes through. There, yeah. are, there are the five stages of grief. Okay. Kubler-Ross um, writes about the five stages of grief, and I'm glad you brought that up. Because one of the things that is fairly new with that, uh, a grief guru named David Kessler Mm -hmm. met with Kubler-Ross before she died and her daughter, and they actually extended the five stages to six, with the sixth being finding meaning, finding meaning in the loss. Um, For example, I'm sitting here with you today talking about grief. I work with my clients, sit with them in their grief because my husband died. That is the meaning in my life that I found. Okay. And it's huge because um, that was a huge part of me processing out my grief and, and, and helping me to recover. Do you know the other stages? <laughs> there so. is anger, bargaining depression. The last one, they consider acceptance, or they say that it's acceptance just because that's kind of what you would do at the end. But I can't remember the one before acceptance. But what I will say about that, the important thing about that, Steve, is that the stages are not linear. Yeah. They're very, I like to think about them. In fact, sidetrack, the the warm place in Fort Worth um, is a place where they help children go through their process of grief. And Macy and I, my daughter, were a family at the warm place. And they talked about the bowl of spaghetti. So grief, if you can imagine a bowl of spaghetti, mm-hmm. that's more like what grief is. It just those five or six stages are very intertwined. And a lot of times it scares people because they think that they've gone through the anger part Mm -hmm. and they've gone through the bargaining stage. But when it revisits for some reason, because we know that grief comes out of nowhere sometime, they think they're going crazy because they've already processed that. Uh, But the nature of grief is that it's very intertwined. And when you say a stage isn't linear, right. each of these stages don't last 
a specific amount no, of time. Sir, not at all. That uh, denial doesn't last one month mm-hmm. or depression doesn't last one month. Can people experience multiple st- stages at once? Sure. I don't see why not. And the reason why is because, uh, so do me a favor, hold, hold up your thumb. Okay. And what I'm do you ho- have at the end of your thumb? Uh, a fingernail that needs to be clipped. <laughs> what do you have right here that has little lines that is exclusive to you? Okay, that would be my thumbprint. That's your thumbprint. And in grief, we have our own thumbprint. So it's very important to realize that grief is super personal. And those stages, as you were talking about, like the the quantity of time in each one, mm-hmm. they're very personal to a person. Um, they are very specific to you. Um, and it's, and it's, it would be damaging to your recovery to compare your grief to others. Okay. Is it important to process grief? And if so, why is it important to process? Grief is patient. Grief is super patient and it sits inside your body. And so when it stays there, you're going to feel the effects of it. And we don't want to keep grief in our body. And so in order to help us feel better, we need to process those things out. Is there a time when the grief goes away? For instance, I know there's no linear time for Mm -hmm. each stage, but be it months or years Mm -hmm. or decades, does the grief eventually go away? Grief is a representation of love. I love it. Okay. And so, no. No. Do you still grieve over Tim? Absolutely. And Tim's been gone eight years. Eight years. Eight and a half years almost. And so do I, I can sit here and have a conversation with you about him Mm -hmm. without crying and getting upset. So what that means is I've processed my grief in a way that allows me to talk about him and think about him and feel him, but not be in such dire straits, not still be um, at the level of pain and hurt that I was this time eight years ago. So you've come to a a grip or an understanding of of your emotions, uh-huh. and and that's part of the grieving process. Um, that's a super important part of the grieving uh, process. Um, the emotions, understanding the emotions, naming the emotions. Um, because when you do have a reoccurrence of one of the stages and you understand what it is, again, you can you can process it. You you have a grip on what this is. Yeah. You you are not thinking that I can't tell you how many people have told me I think I'm going crazy. And so if you understand and name those emotions as identifying them as grief, then that crazy feeling is not so much. When someone has experienced a loss, and again, whether it's uh, a, a death or a divorce or any type of, of loss, uh, how important is it to for them to share their story? Well, it's twofold. Uh, because when they share their story, they're processing. 
every time you tell your story, that's that's the identi- that's the definition of processing. When you retell the story, you are processing. So there's that. That is that part for yourself. But then on the other hand, you're also helping someone else and helping them to validate feelings that they're experiencing because you're sharing yours as well. There's communion in that. That makes you very vulnerable to to, to open up, especially if it is an incident that, that recently happened. Yes. Is it important to be vulnerable? Absolutely. It's important to be vulnerable. If you're a Brene Brown fan, you understand the importance of being vulnerable. And then explain that to the listening audience. Um, vulnerable Vulnerability is a way to be human. Um, it is a way to show others um, who you are um, in a organic, I'm at a loss for the word that I want to, uh, just a real way. Okay. And so when you're real, people relate to that. And when people can relate to you and your grief, then they it gives them permission to do their part in their grief. And a way of, of expressing their grief doesn't necessarily have to be one-on-one with a counselor, but... Uh, uh... Are group settings, they're they're equally as important? Absolutely. Because they're in a room with people who are Mm -hmm. going through the same process. Yeah. The thing I caution with you on that, and I learned this at the warm place, when you're just to have experienced a significant loss, it's important to give yourself some time before you're in a group with with others. Oh, that's a great question. yeah. How soon after the loss do you do you start, whether it's counseling or mm-hmm. group counseling? So counseling one-on-one, um, I've had clients come in the week after. I've had clients come in a year after because they can't get past the anger and the effects of grief, the side, the side effects of grief. Um, Group, however, you're exposed to listening to other people's stories, so you need time um, to be able to uh, process your own loss before you can sit and listen to others. Um, so the warm place, their their idea of of time was three months, but again, going back to the the thumbprint of grief, yep. that's something that uh, you'll have to decide, you know, on an individual basis. The the, the counseling that, that you do, do you do individual counseling or do you do group counseling? I do individual counseling. All right. Yeah. I, I have, um, I've led a, a group um, and, but that's not what I do as a career. Um, that was more volunteer work. So I've done a group before. Okay. Yeah. But my career, what I do uh, with uh, Taylor Counseling Group is one-on-one. And we'll give out uh, the the contact information for Taylor Counseling okay. Group uh, here at the, the end of the interview. Uh, how can sharing your story change the course of your life? I think when you share your story again, you are showing your human side. Yeah. And when you can tap in to that human side, for me, I found a passion in my work. 
Um, when Tim died, I was a teacher. I'd been a teacher for a year and a half. Okay. And um, so I was a novice. Uh, so when I, that following August, when it was time to get back into school, I couldn't do it. I, I was not mentally prepared to go back to the rigors of being a teacher. Um, and so as I was going through that, still continuing to process the loss, the grief, the death, um, that's when I realized this is something, again, going back to the story I read about the gentleman who had, his son had died, I just all of a sudden knew this was going to be my work. This was going to be my new work. I mean, it's I, it, it was a shout out in my body. You're calling. Oh, my gosh. It, and it was calling loudly. Wow. Yeah. How much counseling did you have to go through after the loss of Tim? And and again, was it individual or was it mm-hmm. group counseling? And, and, yeah. and how how did that help you? Well, I started counseling before he died. Oh, okay. So he was diagnosed in August. In November, I had some serious depression, November and December. So I went and got therapy one-on-one for that, for my depression and what you would call anticipatory grief. Okay. Anticipatory grief is a thing. And so about the time that the holidays were coming around, we had a pretty good idea that Tim was not going to survive. So that was going on. And then as soon and after he died in February, my therapist said, I know a grief counselor. And so I moved right into to working one on one with a grief counselor. Then we also I also contacted the warm place um, by recommendation of someone, probably my first that first therapist. And that's when they told us, give yourself about three months. Um, we'll put you on the wait list. They always have a wait list. They're amazing. And um, we started, uh, Macy and I started that work, I believe it was August, okay. um, about whatever, six, seven months after he died. Um, I also, during the summer, did group work with my church. They had a journey through grief um, up at church, and that was a group thing. Actually, that started in September. So I was doing both. You keep referring to Macy. Macy's mm-hmm. your daughter. Yes. She was 12? 11. 11. Mm-hmm. How's she doing? She's doing great. She's doing good. It's been quite the journey for us, and we had some really tough times, especially when we moved out of the house. Um, Tim died in our home. Mm-hmm. He was on in hospice. And um, that move for her was very difficult. Um, and so we had um, we had some tough times. Um, but we both were going through counseling and both um, taking some um, anxiety and depression medication. Okay. And that led us to where we are today, which... I have to say, I'm in pretty good spirits with it all. I mean, it's, um, you know, when you sit with other people every day um, talking about their grief and their mental health, you have to be pretty healthy to do that. I would think so. Yeah. 
that one of the in in my grief counseling coursework and in my therapy coursework, one of the first things that they talk about is what is what is your journey? What is your journey in mental health? What is your journey in your personal grief? So you address that pretty quick in coursework. In the couple of minutes that we have left in this mm-hmm. interview, uh, is there anything, any advice, any words of wisdom that you you have to give to someone who uh, may be anticipating grief is coming up yeah. or has recently fallen into grief? Don't be afraid to talk about your feelings and your emotions. Mm -hmm. That is probably one of the best things you can do in terms of recovery uh, from feelings of grief, just talking about those emotions. Also know that these days that are super difficult, they will be better. Time and experiences help you to recover. Um, you don't think it will. I mean, the, 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 the parents and the families of the Uvalde community can't even imagine right now yeah. feeling better. But they will. They will feel better. Time, experiences, talking about their feelings and their emotions with others um, is the first step into recovery because recovery is available. There's the old adage, time heals everything. It does. And it's one of those things that you don't like to hear early on, but it is true. Okay. It is true. If someone wanted to reach out to Holly Patterson and the uh, the Taylor Counseling Counseling Group, how mm-hmm. how can they reach you? They could reach us via email, info at taylorcounselinggroup.com, and they could ask for me, Holly Patterson, and I, my office currently is in Waxahachie. Okay. Info at taylorcounselinggroup.com. Yes. Holly, thanks for coming in and telling us about the process and and appreciate you being on About Mansfield. I appreciate you asking me to come in. I've enjoyed my time with you, Steve. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will talk in studio with yet another fine citizen from our community, and you will just have to tune in to find out who it is. As always, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, share, love, support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com, and enter your email address. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Science reporter, Dennis Webb. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Ask Terry Home Improvement, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this 
is about Mansfield. <laughs>